this morning, I'm going to talk to you about trusting God's progress, process in your life. How many of you know that you're a, you're a work in progress? And with all of us, none of us are perfect. None of us have uh, done everything right. And uh, how many have ever lied in their life? You can raise your hand. How many of you have never lied? If you raise it, you're a liar. And, uh, and you know, the, the thing is, is that for us, your decisions that you and I make today determine the stories we get to tell tomorrow. You know, and for many of us, how do you get divine direction? Well, I'm glad. When I come here, y'all ask good questions. And uh, today I want to talk to you about trusting God's process. And uh, let me just give you a little bit, bit of background before we do. We're going to talk about Acts chapter 20. And it's Paul. He's, talk, he's talking, uh, talking a very emo- he's making a very emotional decision at this point in his life. And Paul loved where he was at in Ephesus. He, the people uh, were his people. Uh, this is where he felt at home, his happy place. Um, he could have spent the rest of his life there. And what happened is uh, then he felt a prompting by God to leave and go somewhere else. How many of you ever felt a prompting or a pulling that God's speaking to you about to do something or go somewhere or to speak to someone or, or just to be able to witness to someone next to you? And see, I, I, what, that's what I want to talk about. And so he called the elders of the church, and this is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses, uh, uh, Acts 20, verse 22 through 24. This is how he just speaks to them. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every, in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Sounds like a wonderful vision, doesn't it? And so what happens is I only know that, it's a, however, I consider my life worthy, worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task, uh, the Lord has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So what I want to talk to you about, four, process, four steps to trusting God's process in your life. Now, different ones of you, you were raised in church and you have different ideas. You got to do this certain thing. You got to do this certain thing. And that's the way you get to get for God's favor. Or you got to jump through this hoop to go through that loop to make things happen in your life. And so what I'm here to do is I'm just here to just inform you some practical things we can all see and we can all do as individuals. Is that all right? And corporately as well. And so the first thing that I want to talk to you about is the Spirit's prompting. You know, I go to, I'm still doing chemotherapy. I've been fighting uh, different forms of cancer for 10 and a half years. Uh, In January, they told me I had five to six months to live, but this is the seventh month, and so I'm here, and so you're putting up with me, and, uh, you know, I just know this. They, doctors can't put an expiration on, date on you. Only God can, and while I'm here, I'm trying to bring hope to people that I see in a chemo ward that get bad news or walking through difficult times. I pray for them. I spend time with them. I encourage them. I'm Our Lady of Lords, they let you pray for people over there. And, uh, you know, even the nuns over there, well, I know you, you know, and, and so uh, they know me. And so 
but one of the things is I, I didn't choose that, but I, when I was there, I felt God sometimes prompts me to pray for people. I'm even walking out and I've had people, God just spoke to me, turn around and go pray for that lady sitting there right there. And you know, it's like, I'm out, sometimes I'm like, man, it's lunchtime, Lord. I've been doing chemo. I'm starving, you know? And the Lord goes, you know, he'll just say, you know, you always ask me, you wanted me to use you. What are you waiting on? Go over there. And so here, here's the thing. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. And so here, here's the word. The Greek word for compelled means diohonuma. Diohonuma. And what happens, dio means wrap. It means like a cord that's pull, pulling you in a direction. Okay? Ho is the girl that your mama warned you about. I'm just trying to teach you a little Cajun Hebrew, okay, Greek, you know, and uh, I don't even know what it means, but it doesn't give that portion, but I just thought that was, anyway. Numa is the spirit and the word. So what he's saying is, it's a deal homo numa, it's a cord that's pulling you by the wind of the spirit. That's what it means. A cord pulling you by the wind of the spirit. And sometimes we don't know where it's pulling us. Sometimes we don't know why it's giving us a direction to go in. We only find out when we get to where God tells us to go and do what God tells us to do. Are y'all with me? You know, there's been different periods that I have to, I've tried to change my diet and do all those different things. And I really eat healthy and good and Years ago, I, I totally radically changed my diet, and uh, I was trying to do the whole, um, you know, juice thing and all that stuff, and they were feeding me all this kind of natural stuff, and then it got to kale, and I said, what is this stuff? And then my wife goes, it's the number one thing for cancer. I said, the H-E double hockey sticks with kale, okay? What's number two? And she goes, broccoli. I said, I'll eat broccoli, but I ain't eating none of that junk. I said, if I die, I want a good taste in my taste buds if I die. I don't want kale on my breath or on my taste buds. You know them? Come on. All the Cajuns said, I.E. Anyway. And, and, and so what? I really rarely eat junk food and, until my godly, awesome wife brings home bluebell ice cream or She'll make her famous chocolate chip cookies. And what happens, I'm trying to walk by them, and there's a cookie power. You know what I'm talking about? There's just that cookie power. I'm walking by, and I'm being pulled back by a cord. It's called chocolate chip cookie spirit. And see, what happens is, I want to tell you, if you're a Jesus follower, you have to watch for the Duma Honuma moments in your life. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I'm glad you're asking. I, I, I could be, I, I could be something really, it can be something really, really big where the spirit redirects your life. You say, no, you've been here. Now I want you here. Now you've been serving here. I want you to serve in this. At, but Lord, I'm not really good at that. No, God goes, it don't matter. Who says you're good? I'm going to help you to become what I want you to become. If you just give me Give me, give me your heart, 
give me your gifts, give me your ability, and I'll use it for my kingdom. And so what happens is it could be something very seemingly insignificant, but it's having a bigger impact in your life. You see, for me, it was over 21 years ago um, when I loved where I was at. I was at, at a church, Our Savior's Church in Lafayette. They asked me to come to be the a, a, a senior associate pastor there, Pastor Jacob. And I loved the people. I loved, I loved my life. I loved my house. I loved all those things that, that I could love. And God just began to, prop, began to start prompting me. And I had people talk to me. And I just prayed. And, and um, the Spirit of the Lord just began to speak to me about going to start a church in Jennings. Actually, I was going to start in Crowley first. But I have a friend there that was a pastor that had been there like 40 years, and I wanted to honor him. And so I waited. I said, as soon as he retires or God takes him home, we'll start a church there. And it happened the next day when he quit or he retired. But we wanted to honor. You understand me? And so what happens is it's big. It's big and life-directing. That's what Duma Homo Numa means. It's those moments where it's big. And you're going, man, I'm leaving all, I'm pulling my kids out halfway through school. You know what I mean? One of them is his senior year. He's on the soccer team. He's doing all that. And, you know, could I have picked a different moment, waited? Yeah. But I just felt like we're going for it. You understand me? And I remember the first service we had, we had 19 people. And you just see, how many of you know you, everybody got to start somewhere? You know what I'm saying? You know, football, they start in peewee. Baseball, they start in t-ball. You know, basketball, they start little dribblers. You start somewhere. And not all the time you can see what that person is going to be in the future. Or a girl that's in gymnastics. You know what I mean? Or dance. You don't know where they're going. But as they get older and they begin to develop those things, you begin, you begin to see who's talented at those things and who's just average. And see, you got to watch it. Every time the Lord, the, the Spirit of the Lord prompts you, it's always important. Anytime. How many of you have felt that prompting sometimes? That pulling where God's going, come on, come on, you know. And uh, some of you have, have been prompted to get out of your comfort zone and join a life group. God's been talking to you for a long time and now compelled you by the Spirit. Dio Numa means you, you serve on the dream team to use your gifts to make a difference. Dio Numa means you start a business, start a ministry, or you write a book. Dio Numa means call, God's calling you to upgrade that low-class boyfriend you got. Some of you will get it later. He wants something better. Amen? Dioho Numa means God calling you to ask you that girl out three rows behind you, and you may miss your moment, and you need to do that. Amen? You know, who, who, who do you see? No one. I'm just giving an example. Okay? So we have to, we know that their spirit is compelling us. It's drawing us. It's prompting us. You see, the second thing I want you to see is certain uncertainty. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Well, I'm going to get it. Acts 20, verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. 
not knowing what will happen to me there. Have you ever had directions or gone somewhere and you go, why am I here? Why am I here? Well, so often we want life. We, so often we, what we want in life is we want details. Hello. God, show me the details. And uh, it's kind of like the old movie, uh, A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson. It gets to a point and he goes, you can't handle the truth. You just can't handle the truth. I think sometimes God wants to, God, God saying, I want, you know, we saying, I want God, I want details. And God's saying, what details? You can't handle the details. You just can't. See, honestly, when Tracy and I started the church, I wanted so many details, how, when, and what, and where. Hello. Okay. I wanted those things. We started out the church at the Holiday Inn, but right before we got the building, the, the land that we had there, we were, we were actually meeting in a horse where horses get fed and stuff. What is that called? A stable. We met in a horse stable. We met at the VFW. I felt like Moses leading my people. Literally, hey, next week we're going to be here. Next week. And, you know, when you start doing that after a while, people go, where are we at this week? It, sometimes it's not very encouraging for people. We don't even have our own place. You see, if God had shown me the details, including all the pain, there's no way I would have said yes. Are you hearing me? On the other side, now when we see the impact, there's no way I would say no now. Because I've seen God fit things together. What God had to do was lead us step by step so we could handle it. You believe that? He just didn't give you a big old thing right away because you can't handle it. You see, Psalm says, like 119 and 105, it says, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. What's God's word? It's a lamp to guide our feet. God's word is a light to our path, not a spotlight to our future. He's a light to our path. means I've done so much chemo when I take guys hunting, I go, bro, look, we don't need a flashlight. Just flick me on, I glow. You see, what happens is God's word is a spotlight, isn't a spotlight. It's a path. God, I want to know step four, five, and six. And God goes, no, I'm not getting, not until you do one, two, and three. Am I making sense here? Sometimes people ask me, pastor, what's your plan for the future of the church? My plan is really about the future. (laughs) My plan is to be obedient today. Your plan should be, God, I want to be obedient to the word you give me today. Are you living to the level of the obedience that God's called you to? Are you? I can't answer that for you. Only you can. That's between you and the Lord. And I hope you are. You know, I can't see the future, but I can be faithful to take the next step. You and I can take, you don't know your future, but you can be faithful to take the next step, then the next step. And then God begins to show you, hello, he begins to reveal to you. He'll be, he'll bring people along the way, even to kind of encourage you in what you're doing. You see, how many of you want certainty? You, 
you know, okay, here's some certainty. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will guide you step by step. Those are things that are just, that's not going to change. That's certainty. God, you're with me. You're with me at the funeral home. God, you're with me at church. God, you're with me in the doctor's office. God, you are with me at work. God, you're with me with that demon-possessed boss I have. Lord, you are with me. Lord, you're with me. You see, God will advise you. God will guide you. God will watch over you. If you're not living with a little uncertainty every now and then, then you're not living by faith. What do you mean by that? If you're not living by faith, you can't please God. Let me just say this. I don't know everything, but I know some things. If it lines up with, you know, it's like people come, Pastor Bubba, I feel like I need to go to Bangladesh. I go, well, do you know the language? Do you know the customs? You know, how are you going to get supported? Is your family going to be able to live off of what you bring? And if all those answers no, then I said, well, God hadn't called you to Bangladesh. God's called you to pray for Bangladesh. You understand me? You know, he may call you. The third thing is, un, is predictable resistance. Predictable resistance. Acts 20, verse 22 and 23. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every, every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Wow, what a vision. Prisons and hardships for serving Jesus. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. Thanks for all those amens. Predictable resistance. You see, anything anything significant that we do is going to be met with resistance. So many people, whenever things get tough, they think, well, God must not be in this. When we do think, when you do think, you know, when do you think your enemy attacks? When do you think the enemy attacks you? You know, it's when you're not doing anything for the glory of God. No, you're not doing anything. He's not worried about you. Resistance is not necessarily a sign that you're out of God's will either. Resistance is often a sign that you're doing exactly what God called you to do. Hello. I remember one time looking at a guy, <laughs> Mr. Sonia and, and Jennings, and we were going to buy some land. I don't know what I'm kicking, but anyway, it needed to be kicked. And I was looking across the fence, and he was playing with his cows. And I go, Mr. Sonia, you think you'd ever sell your property? And he had a big old chaw. You know, big T. He had him sticking out of here like that. And he, he's like, he kind of spit down and he goes, hell no. So you know what God told me to do? God said, okay, Baba, I want you to take your shoes off and I want you to walk all of his property and claim it for God's kingdom. So for days, for weeks, I take my shoes off because God wanted me to feel it. 
and I would just walk around. It didn't matter if it was muddy, wet, whatever. I just walked around. God, I don't even remember what I prayed. God, bless us with this, Lord, but I'm trusting you for this land. God, you told me to pray. You look, told me to look ridiculous, especially people come out, and I'm in my socks, you know, walking around this property. And I remember one day I went to go visit them for something we were going to do. And his wife goes, Bubba, why don't you just buy this property from us? And I said, Miss Sonia, you know better than to tell me that. She goes, no, I'm serious. Long story short, we own all the property they have in the, at the Jennings campus. We own it all. And some more. We just got some more. A little lanyard couple of weeks ago they wanted 82,000 for a piece and I refused to pay that 15 16 years ago and we just bought it for 28,000 God did a number flip I like his flips but sometimes you got to wait sometimes you got to be patient sometimes you don't see you know what the future brings but the, the struggle you're having today is developing spiritual strength that you need for tomorrow you remember those toys called Stretch Armstrong? You remember? You could stretch that thing. You go, you go stand over there. I'm going to stretch over here. And, you know, you didn't want to let it go on your friend. It hit him, you know. But, but I remember you could stretch those things. And sometimes God's into stretching us. Hello. We don't like to be stretched sometimes. No pain, no gain. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, that hurt. Ooh, shit. Man, that guy, he's still on my case. Every day, I'm dealing with that with Roberta. She's like saying all this stuff, messing with me, and God's just stretching you. God called you to go talk to your neighbor, and you're going, no, Lord. And he goes, yes. Stretch. You know? I have a neighbor that lives across the street from me. He used to tell me he hated God until he met me. We had hurricanes. I bring a generator over there, loved on him, brought him food. Then he started bringing me food. And then long story short, I tell him when I saw him, I said, I love you, man. And he goes, now he says, don't worry, Bubba, you're going out of town. I'm going to watch your house. I love you. No one's going to get through. He came to church there. I invited him after being my neighbor for 20 years. And he can't, he goes, I won't miss it. You, you invite me, I'm coming. I have another guy, John Marceau. He owns a men's, he owns a clothing store in Jennings called Marceau's. And I go in there, I used to go in there all the time and still do here and there and get some clothes and stuff. And, and, I, and when I'd finish, I'd go, thanks, thanks, John, I love you. And he went, who is this guy? Does he like men? Lily, that's what he thought. He didn't think that, but he was like, why is he, why is he telling me he loves me? And then we had a flood, the first flood we had about four or five years ago. And, and I remember he had been disillusioned by the church he was going, the Catholic church. I'm just going to say, he just felt like he wasn't getting fed. And he just said, you know, then he heard, hey, I heard that preacher got up over at our Savior's church said, we're not going to have church today. We're going to go be the church in our community. And he said, the next week he came and he hadn't stopped coming. Now he's over our prayer. One of our, he's one of, one of the guys that's over our prayer team there. And when he prays over you, man, he, 
I just, if I ever get discouraged, I'll go, hey, John, pray for me. You know, just the way he prays. But see, what happens is, is that Paul had an encounter with Jesus. He was a Jesus hater. He had to do things first that he didn't want to do. He even made tents before he preached. He was a tent maker. How many of you have had to do some things you just didn't want to do? Come on. How many of you have done, how many of you put off things that God asked you to do? Come on. Let's get real brutally honest. And you haven't been doing it. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just here to say, then get doing it. Just do what God's asking you to do because he has your highest interest in mind. The fourth and final thing is uncommon confidence. Uncommon confidence. However, I consider my life worth, verse 24, uh, chapter 20, worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, Paul wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament. He started churches in Asia Minor and Europe. Um, how do you do this? Paul didn't have a plan for the future. He had a plan to obey the Spirit for what he was telling him to do for that day. If I'm preaching to a crowd, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Jesus. If I'm, in a, if I'm locked up in a prison, I'm going to write about Jesus. If I'm chained to a prison guard, I'm going to lead him to the Lord. That's just my heart. You know what I mean? I'm looking for a way. If you're in the McDonald's line, I'm going to talk to you. We're going to get there somehow. And if you're, beat, if you're beating me and leaving for me, me for dead, I'm calling out to Jesus for help. Why? Because I'm completely confident that I have a heavenly calling to glorify Jesus everywhere that I'm at. And I believe that for you as well. It's just not my calling. That's your calling. Wherever you are, you have a high calling of the gospel, of the kingdom of God that's on your life. Amen? How many of you have ever done this? You're about to get in a wreck and you go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Or something's about to hit, you know what I mean? You know? You're going, I didn't see it coming, but Jesus, Jesus, help me. You know? How does this apply to you? To you, if you're making tents, serve God making tents. If you're waiting tables, serve God while you wait on the table. If you're stay-at-home mom, serve Jesus as a stay-home mom, a home, a stay-home mom. If you're a student, serve Jesus there. What does God want me to do? Follow Him. Follow Him. By God, by the Spirit's prompting. I remember when Pastor Jamie came to me years ago, and we just started we started talking and meeting, and they were living in uh, Franklin Patterson area, and um, and then he felt like the Lord said, "Find Bubba and tell him whatever he needs. Ask him what does he need help with." And Jamie came and found me and told me that and I told him what I needed help with so he picked up his whole house sold it moved to Kinder with his in-laws for a year 
I think they had two kids by now. Now, listen, if you're living with relatives, it don't matter how happy you may be at the beginning. By the end, they want you out and you want out. And then it came a point when, when he came to me, we were at a conference, and he said, Pastor Bubba, do you think I'll ever be a pastor? And I said, Jamie, don't you ever let anybody put a never on you. Because let me tell you something. God never puts a never on anybody ever. Only people do. But God never does. And then we, start, we started this church. He came and helped. And he actually knocked down a lot of the walls and stuff we had in here. We had a demolition crew and from Jennings. And we just came and, you know, demolitioned this for y'all. And, you know, then he became the pastor here at Eunice. And I, he's, him and Cheryl are doing a great job. But can I tell you something? It all started by the Spirit's prompting. God was prompting him. God was prompting me. Are you hearing me? Because guess what I was doing? God, I need workers. I need people that are help. I need, like today, Jamie's and Jennings preaching. And my, my, my youngest girl has a little boyfriend. And he was in children's church when Jamie was a children's pastor for us. And he's like, I love it when Pastor Jamie comes and speaks. I said, well, they remember him when he had hair. You know? But Jamie and Cheryl are awesome. You're blessed. Certain uncertainty. You know, when they came, they didn't know what was going to happen. Predictable resistance. There's always people that rise up to resist you. There's times when people have, he's called me and we've prayed and God, man of God, just bless them. Just bless them. You know, sometimes the best release you can have is release them. You know, I don't need to, I'm not going to beg you to stay. Because here I always say, this is my line to all my pastors and anybody that ever part. Look, if Jesus called you here, he needs to be the one that calls you away. Because I'm not here to convince you. And then predictable resistance. That's so, <coughs> I just, I don't have time to go into all the stories I could tell you. I've been hit. I've been cussed at. I, I've had different things happen to me over the years. And you know what? And sometimes I want to pimp slap them when they've done something to me. I swear to Jesus, I'm not lying to you. But then you have to just go, Lord, help my tongue. Help my hands. Because you told me whatever I do with my hands, do with all my might. Because I'm going to knock no Anyway. Anyway. The last thing is just uncommon confidence. You have to be confident. Listen, here's the thing the enemy wants to put on everybody. Shame. Shame. You know, that's the first thing the enemy did. Blame and shame. He gave me the apple. Or she gave me. And the snake goes, I'm a snake. What you think? I mean, you know, I mean. But it's blame. Then it's the shame. Where were you? We were hiding. What are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? It's the same MO the devil always uses to blame someone else and to shame you. And that's where you need to go. I know where God met me on May 
1980, I gave my life to Jesus, and that man died. He's tried to resurrect himself a few times, but I've got my friends and a few other pastors, and we've nailed him down. But I've heard someone say one time, one of my, one of my teachers in college, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, a man can never crucify himself because there's always a free hand with a hammer in it. You can't do it yourself. You need to let God crucify that flesh in your life. And then, you know what? Put a little shame on that. You know what I mean? Give it to where it goes. The, the enemy is the father of shame and blame. So we don't have a, we don't have a plan. For, we, we don't have to plan the future. We just have to be obedient to the next step today. Now, listen, I'm not saying don't make plans. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if you're wanting to know everything God has for you in the future, you're not going to know all that. He may give you a glimpse of things, but listen, you need a plan. You need a plan to have a budget. You need a plan. There's a, that's a whole nother. You need a plan to have, be a, you know, there are things that you need to plan for your family. Amen? And so the last thing I'm done, trust that he will lead you to where he wants to lead you to. So your life will glorify him. And that's how you discern divine direction. Amen? Let me pray for you. Just lift your hands to heaven all over this place. Father, right now, you know every person. You know every struggle that we face. Sometimes we just doubt ourselves. Sometimes we're insecure. Sometimes we just face things we don't like facing and we put them off. But Lord, I pray, whatever you're speaking to each individual, I pray that they would be obedient to your voice, to how you're directing them, to how you're speaking to them, so they can be all that they can be for you in your kingdom. Now bless them, I pray. I rebuke every assignment of the enemy in Jesus' name over their minds and over their hearts. And I pray for a fresh release of your grace, of your power, of your ability an overcomer. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...